If you're looking to maintain peak brain health, I'd like to introduce you to a cutting-edge new brain support formula from my friends at Thorne, Sinequel. If you're recovering from a head injury or play contact sports, you should pay special attention. Sinequel is formulated with the best research nutrients that support healthy brain structure and cognitive function. Sinequel's active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and help protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths, Sinequel for Everyday Maintenance and Sinequel Plus which provides higher amounts of certain nutrients for shorter-term post-impact support. For more information and to purchase Sinequel, just go to drhoffman.com thorn. There you'll also find some of my other favorite thorn products. That's drhoffman.com thorn for the essential nutritional brain support formula, Sinequel. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. Thanks for joining me. I welcome your questions and topics of interest that you'd love to hear me weigh in on. I'd love to do that on this podcast where I have the opportunity to do so. The email is questions at drhoffman.net. Questions at drhoffman.net. It's the same destination where we take questions on the weekly Q&A with Layla that Dr. Hoffman and I do a duet on every week. And we're happy to bring that to you. And we appreciate your questions, topics, comments, all of the above. So I want to talk to you about neurodegenerative diseases and the risk factors for that. We are seeing more diagnoses of ALS. Remember Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, um, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, various forms of dementia, all of the above. And environmental toxicants are indeed a risk factor. As the world populations grow older and fertility rates decline, and you've noticed, right, it's almost an epidemic. Infertility is nearly an epidemic over the last few decades. So as world populations grow older, fertility rates decline, and this leads simultaneously to a shrinking and aging society. The incidence, due to this, the incidence of neurogenerative diseases like the ones I've mentioned is projected to become even more pervasive than it is today. Globally, people above 65 years old are the fastest growing segment of the population. In 2018, for the first time in human history, they outnumbered children younger than five years old. Imagine an aging population, and that is now becoming most of us. 
In the U.S. alone, the incidence of Alzheimer's disease could more than double by the year 2050 to 13.8 million from 5.8 million today. Now, this is interesting. China has the largest number of Parkinson's disease patients in the world, which is estimated to grow to 5 million in 2030. Now, given that we're talking about toxic exposures and being a huge risk for neurodegenerative diseases, are we surprised that China has the largest number of Parkinson's disease patients in the world? Talk about the exposure there, the pollution, the mercury, etc., all of it. So in light of these statistics, research into the connection between environmental toxins, neurodegenerative diseases, is more important than ever, right? Wouldn't you say? So while genetics has a known causative role, and before I go on, in my opinion, I think genetics is less important than the toxic soup that we as human beings on planet Earth are swimming in. So anyway, let me go on. While genetics has a known causative role, researchers agree that environmental risk factors can also play a key role in accelerating disease onset and progression. Neurodegenerative diseases are complex, they're multifactorial, right? Encompassing a, a variety of conditions, each with different pathological patterns, root causes, but with regard to the most common neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, the most rigorously studied environmental exposures have been on heavy metals and pesticides. I remember seeing at a conference many years ago, uh, Dr. Walter Crinian, the late Walter Crinian, uh, he was a, a known, uh, famous doctor, and he always concentrated on detox, detox therapies. And I remember him saying, you know, all the, it's not all about urban pollution and stuff. If you live downstream from a commercial farm out in the country, you might have a problem. You, you are at risk. For neuro neurodegenerative disease, he gave some case studies on Parkinson's. And these were people who lived in rural areas in the country. Many near farms, many were farmers, right? I know out uh, near me on the North Fork of Long Island, <clears throat> in, in Peconic, there's a, there's a farm stand that I would go to from time to time, Sang Lee, they became organic after the senior Sang Lee died of cancer due to all the pesticides, herbicides. They became an organic farm. So across the globe, 
Over 50 million people suffer from dementia, and this number is expected to reach 152 million by the year 2050. Alzheimer's disease, which is clinically manifested by progressive impairment in cognition, learning ability, memory function, and executive reasoning, is partially attributable to environmental factors. Heavy metals like lead, cadmium, and manganese are widely used and may contribute to Alzheimer's disease pathologies by increasing neuronal oxidative stress, inflammation, and neuronal cell death, that's apoptosis. So lead, cadmium, and manganese. And I know those of you who have access to primarily well water, right? Talking about all of you in rural areas. Again, even parts of, you know, my local tri-state area, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Manganese and high iron levels, I know, out east, on the east end of Long Island, are problematic. We're talking here about lead, cadmium, manganese. And lead is drawn up through the soil by so many different plants, plants that we eat, like sunflower seeds. Are you getting, are you using any, are you eating any processed foods made with sunflower oil? That could be a lead source for you. Cadmium from batteries, manganese. Let's talk about lead. Despite U.S. legislative efforts to minimize lead exposure, which they kind of did a good job, I think it was back in the 70s, with unleaded gasoline, they actually saw lead levels diminish, decline in children when that happened. Anyway, but lead is still, is this heavy metal is still used in industrial applications, including automobile lead acid storage batteries. Lead exposure sources tend to vary by geographic location. However, in general, globally high lead levels are associated with electronic waste recycling, lead mining, and smelting with the primary roots of exposure being inhalation or ingestion. Particularly of concern is lead exposure in children, which increases the body burden, as lead dust is often ingested due to a child's frequent hand-to-mouth behavior. Think about a toddler, right? Hand-to-mouth. Longitudinal studies suggest that early life or midlife lead exposure may be associated with faster rates of cognitive decline. Animals exposed to lead, either prenatally or postnatally, develop memory impairment and cognitive decline later in life. Lead is known, it's a known neurotoxicant that rapidly crosses the blood-brain barrier, leading to neuroinflammation, oxidative stress, And it's been associated 
with neurodegeneration in human epidemiology studies. And numerous studies have reported that either developmental or acute lead exposure contributes to the hallmark signatures of Alzheimer's disease, including that beta amyloid plaque accumulation, the pathology in tau protein, as well as inflammation. Lead poisoning may also be accompanied by inflammatory events that lead to neuronal death, nerve cell death. Recent studies suggest that lead exposure results in the activation of microglia and the overproduction of pro-inflammatory proteins, interleukins, tumor necrosis factor. All of these factors are known to contribute to the neurotoxicity in Alzheimer's. Let's, let's talk about cadmium next. Cadmium has recently emerged as a neurotoxicant, although evidence in humans remains limited. Diet is the primary exposure source along with cigarette smoking. Like lead, cadmium is known to cross the blood-brain barrier. And once it's in the body, this metal may induce oxidative stress, neuroinflammation, and cell death of neuronal cells. A 2023 systematic review of, of observational studies found that among older adults, cognitive ability scores decreased as measured levels of blood, urine, and dietary cadmium increased. All you smokers out there, you vapors out there, and all of you who are exposed to all that secondhand smoke, take heed of this. Recent epidemiological studies reported that blood cadmium levels were significantly associated with Alzheimer's-related death among older adults. And a meta-analysis, including eight studies covering 405 Alzheimer's patients and 424 control subjects found that circulating concentrations of cadmium were significantly higher in the, ad, in the Alzheimer's versus the control group. So, listen, it's something that we need to beware of. And... A cross-sectional study with 2,068 older adults from the U.S. National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, that's the NHANES, showed a significant association between cadmium exposure measured in whole blood and lower cognitive function. Let's talk about manganese. This is a big one. Despite the importance of manganese in human health, it's a cofactor for normal cell function and enzymes, right? Excessive manganese is neurotoxic, as high levels may cause accumulation in the brain. Now, beyond occupational exposure, diet is the primary source of manganese in the general population. And toxicity 
can also result from elevated levels in drinking water or air. I told you about the well water just moments ago. On the eastern end of Long Island, we know that there are higher amounts of manganese in the well water. You need to have your water checked if this is your only source of water. You don't want to be accumulating all of this manganese. It's widely used in industrial processes and commercial products. So, several factors may influence the oral uptake of manganese, including iron status, diet, the existing body burden, so underlying mechanisms include induction of oxidative stress, dysfunction of the mitochondria. You know how important the mitochondria are. Mitochondrial dysfunction is the B is like the precursor to many of our chronic diseases. It disrupts autophagy. You know about autophagy. It's our cellular house cleaning DNA repair, the house cleaning system that is called autophagy, that peaks at the 12th hour of a fast. That's why all of us human beings need to be fasting a minimum of 12 hours every night. Manganese exposure may induce the differential expression of genes related to cytokines, insulin signaling, and epidemiologic studies using hair, blood, or both hair and blood biomarkers report associations between adult manganese levels and impaired cognitive function. So, a 2022 systematic review of observational studies conducted in low to upper middle income countries reported negative associations between manganese levels and neurodevelopment domains in children, including attention, memory, learning, executive function. Think about that. Those with occupational exposure have reported deficits in processing speed, in attention, memory, reaction time, cognitive control, Research suggests that accumulation of manganese in the liver and in the brain likely cause neurotoxicity and liver damage. Let's talk about Parkinson's disease and pesticides. Parkinson's is a common neurodegenerative disease. We're seeing more and more people diagnosed with it. There are approximately 6,000 new cases diagnosed in the U.S. every year. And Parkinson's is characterized by motor symptoms, including rigidity, resting tremor, postural instability as, as age advances. And it's also coupled with things like dementia, depression, autonomic dysfunction. And a systematic review and meta-analysis in 2019 suggests that exposure to pesticides increases the, the risk of developing a neurodegenerative disease, including Parkinson's, by 50%. Rural living and occupational exposure to pollutants and pesticides are additional exacerbating factors. And this, to my point earlier in this podcast, when I was talking about the late Dr. Walter Crinian, speaking of this entire matter, of it's not just living in 
polluted urban areas, it's also rural living if you're exposed to these pesticides. Decades of research suggests a link between insecticide exposure through ingestion or skin contact and the incidence of Parkinson's. Exposure to paraquat in particular was associated with about a twofold increase in risk. In high quality case control studies, Parkinson's risk was increased by exposure to any type of pesticides, herbicides, and solvents. Also, the risk associated with rural living was found to be significant. We're not out of the woods when we move to the country. We have to make sure where we live is organic. Who are the neighbors? Are there commercial farms next to you? What are they using in the soil? So, uh, this is very, very, we need to take heed of all of this. This is so important. Uh, I think I'm going to go into a part two on this, continuing with Parkinson's and pesticides in part two. I'll be, we'll be talking about the mechanism of actions and what can we do about it? Interventions. And I want to talk to you more about that as I delve more deeply into this in part two. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In. This is Intelligent Medicine. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything Intelligent Medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. As you know by now, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation, Plus CBD Daily Balance THC-free. Daily Balance is a daily-use supplement that provides the benefits of CBD without the concern of other cannabinoids like THC causing unwanted effects. Daily Balance contains the purest form of hemp-derived CBD in high concentrations to help you overcome intense challenges to mental and physical well-being. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Daily Balance THC-free line of oil, soft gels, and gummies. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. 
I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.